and it was hard and I grieved like crazy, but I had a dream and I was in a boat. Like Jesus just said, get out, walk, walk with me, keep walking. And ever since then, I just clung to that. God has a plan and he's going to get me through and I'm going to get through. Welcome back to the Prepare Podcast. I'm your host, Heather Hanton. We're continuing our series on mental health, and today I welcome Kelly Cardin to the conversation. Kelly is from Minnesota, and I had a chance to get to know her a little bit at a women's retreat that we attended together, but I loved her testimony that she shared with us at the retreat, and I know you're going to love it too. So here's my conversation with Kelly. Welcome to the podcast, Kelly. Thank you. It's good to be here. We're happy that you joined us today. We are in the middle of our series on mental health. It's such an important topic, and we're trying to normalize the conversation about our experiences and uh, the things that come up in, in mental health. Everyone has a mental health journey of some sort. It was said before in another podcast, it's a spectrum, and we're all kind of on this um, mental health journey of our own. And in the church, in the faith community, we really need to step up, I feel like, create safe spaces where people can share how they're really feeling. Yes. Uh, It's so important. So that's where we're going with this. But before we dive into your journey, I want to let the listeners know how I met Kelly. Kelly, I met you at the Sisterhood Women's Retreat in Northern Division. And it was such a good time to be together. It was amazing. Yeah, it was a nice restart from all the COVID and retreats we haven't been able to have. And we all needed it so desperately. We did. And the theme of sisterhood was right on. Yes, We needed to come back together and um, recreate those relationships and build new, even new sisterhood. I gained new sisters that weekend. <laughs> and Kelly, you're one of them. But you gave your testimony. And I was like, we need to have you on the podcast and, and share. So but before we get there, I just want you to introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from. Give us the deets on Kelly. So I'm Kelly Carden. Um, I live in St. Paul, Minnesota. I've lived here most of my life. I was born in Georgia, but moved here, or my parents were from here, so I lived here ever since they came back when I was a toddler. My family's from here. Um, I came to the Salvation Army as a middle school child through the community center and girl guard program character building. Awesome. Um, I did not grow up in a Christian home, but I did grow up in a good family. So I came to the Army on my own. I came into Christianity on my own, and I I was felt something pulling me into the Salvation Army. Like, I belong there, and it was where I needed to be. And so I kept with that for the years. I didn't have a huge traumatic, like, come to Jesus particular age or moment or time. I feel like it was a gradual thing, but I always, once I found the Salvation Army and found my faith, it was something that I always held on to, maybe walked away a little here or there, but it's, I know that with God, all things are possible, and that's how I've gotten through every struggle in my life. Amen. Um, I worked for the Salvation Army since I was 19 years old, so coming up like 28 years now, um, 
all of that at DHQ until the last year, and I recently moved to a core. I attend a different core, but I work at Minneapolis Central Core, and I've really discovered a lot about myself going into the core and the potentials for ministry and opportunities that God has for me. Mm. Um, my own family, I have two boys, um, very wide age gap, a 23-year-old and a nine-year-old. Oh, my um, word, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm remarried to my husband, Dominic, and we've been married a couple years, two years now, and we're just excited to see what God has for us. And we enjoy doing ministry however we can at our core at Lakewood Temple and kind of always discovering something new. <laughs> yeah. What do you like to do in your free time? I'm a crafter. Okay. Um, I love cricketing. Um, like at least I've been trying to learn Spanish. Okay. Um, and I really feel a passion like that there's a lot of people that need to be met. So I want to, um, explore that op opportunity more. And I knew Spanish a little bit growing up, but never fluent. So it's something I'm really working on. Um, and I love to read too, in my free time. Oh, yeah. What and you recommend any any recent books you've read? Um, Jody Peacold is my favorite okay. author. I like um, nonfiction. I kind of browse the thrift stores and uh, garage sales for books. And I recently, I'm in the middle of, actually almost finished now with a book called Breakfast at Sally's. And it's oh. ironically about the Salvation Army and no I had never way. knew it existed. And it's, it's a really neat. Breakfast at but, Sally's. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. It's a story of like a homeless guy and how all the people live and coming to breakfast at the Salvation Army daily. Yeah. And it's really cool. Oh, that's awesome. Because <laughs> I had no idea it ever existed. Right. It's not written by a Salvationist or anything. So. Yeah. And I've never even heard of it either. So Kelly, you gave a beautiful testimony at the Northern Division retreat, and I would just love for you to, to share that with our listeners because it ties into our conversation on mental health. So will you share that with us? Yes, absolutely. Um, my testimony that I shared at the women's retreat was kind of focusing on the last couple of years, and I'll go back a little bit further before that, but basically the bottom line is, is that in all uncertainty, you have to trust God or you're not going to get anywhere. Um, and 2020 really proved that to us. I think before the uncertainty of 2020, I went through some some of the worst times in my life were divorced. And then I, I had a stillborn baby in 2012. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of in between the officers like coming and going. And so I felt like I handled that. Like I was on my own dealing with that with God. But looking back, that is the time I grew the most and my faith was so strengthened. And I watched my sister come to Christ kind of through that That's experience amazing. and how I handled it. But so right prior to 2020, I had just gotten divorced and was coming into a new relationship. There was so much uncertainty. I feel like I was always a worrier, but never like people would say, oh, you're anxious. But after the anxiety diagnosis I came into, I would go back to any anything to go back to that just being a worrier. Yeah, <laughs> right. This anxiety, clinical anxiety is so much deeper than just being worried and oh yeah. Being, you know, like needing to be controlled. But um so during 2020 I I live in St. Paul and the, the George Floyd riots happened in neighboring Minneapolis mm -hmm. and riots literally broke out 
all over the Twin Cities area. And my safe neighborhood was no longer safe. Nobody was safe. The suburbs weren't safe. And so everybody's security was shaken. And we even one night, um, Memorial Weekend, days after, we had to leave town and go up to our parents' cabin up north to get away because that's what we thought was the safest thing to do for my son and us and took a few days away and kind of came back. I seemed to handle that for the most part pretty well. Um, And I was also experiencing some struggles with a family member's mental health and addiction that was a family member very close to me that Mm. so it it was my burden definitely and sure. to carry it with that family member. Um, so 2020, then the we had to start homeschooling, obviously, and working from home. My son was five at the time and in kindergarten. He has ADHD. He's a very intelligent child, but he has attention issues mm-hmm. and he's an active social child and he did not like homeschooling. And... I was doing the best to help him when also to work a full-time job. And we literally sat at the table next to each other many days. And that produced a lot of anxiety in him, which ended up being extended to me, you know, and I trying to do the best to keep that strong face. And I know people say we shouldn't fake it until we make it, but I feel like in parenting that that is acceptable. And Mm -hmm. because a five-year-old doesn't need to take on a parent's problems. (laughs) problems. <laughs> yeah, right. And I think that's a natural thing for parents to do, protect their kids from those bigger problems that, like you said, the security around you being shaken. And so we don't need to make that any worse for them. Yeah. And then, um, so we kind of made it through the summer, the first summer and coming into 2020. And I started to feel anxiety coming on like different than just the worry. And I was you know, I had nothing to do but sit home all the time. I did a lot of shopping online, but, you know, sitting <laughs> home. So I reached out through my insurance and I got a psychiatrist on board and I was like, hey, I don't feel right. Things aren't normal and I don't like this. So I started some medications, but I really wasn't into that deep anxiety until I think late September. And I experienced my first anxiety attack out of nowhere. And I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know what was wrong. I had fallen asleep. I woke up and I was in like severe panic. I thought I was dying. And I told my husband, you need to call an ambulance. I'm dying. He's like, didn't understand, but he That's what it feels like. Yeah. 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 And they showed up, they came to the house and they said, yeah, your heart rate is completely out of whack. But they were able to do tests right in my living room. And they said, you're you're okay. You're going to be okay. We can take you to the hospital, but this is what will happen. And you're better to stay home. So I chose to stay home and follow up immediately with my doctor. And obviously prayer. When you're feeling like that, when you feel like you have no control over what's going on with your body, you cling to Christ and you say, you're the only thing that can get me through and I'm trusting you. I mean, it doesn't take it all away. No, but but it's a place to go. It's a place to start. We certainly believe in it 100%. Yes. Yeah. And so I really jumped in with therapy and medication and self-help faith books were huge. And I started journaling my books and underlining and highlighting. And just I wanted to get better. I had a strong desire that this wasn't the state I needed to be in, that I wasn't good for myself, for my family. 
my job. And I made a commitment that I'm going to do whatever that it takes mm-hmm. to get out of this wow. condition. And it took, I think, till from September to January before I even felt comfortable in my own skin. Mm-hmm. But I fought and I just said, I'm going to fight this every step of the way because that's what I felt was my choice. Yeah, that's so brave. It is all you can do, though, or lay down and die, you know, and being a parent, that's not an option. It's not an option. And it's interesting that you brought that up because, and we've talked about this before on past podcasts, that um, everyone handles their anxiety or their grief or mental health, for lack of a better general term, in a different way. And that anxiety, sometimes we like to hold on to it because we feel secure in it. Yeah. Getting past it takes a much more energy and much more vulnerability than it does to sit in it. And sometimes we just want to hold it close because it feels safe. And I know that sounds weird, but if you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so the fact that you are willing and want and had that motivation to get on the other side of it, that's amazing. I feel like there's a lot of people out there that are haven't gotten there yet. They're still holding on to it and they just need to take that next step and get the help that they need. So that's, that's encouraging. Yeah. And I thought, like I mentioned before too, I had a family member also dealing with this and he several suicide attempts. And I kept telling him, I said, you have to fight. You need to do this and you need to see that you're worth it and to go forward. And he didn't feel that the worth at the time, but But I felt like I could demonstrate in my journey that, hey, this is what I'm going through and it's real and it stinks, but we got to fight this. I mean, he wasn't a Christian either, and it wasn't the point to witness to him so much except to be an example. But sure, in my witness that way, I guess. But um, yeah, so yeah, you have to basically the fight is you have to commit to it and you have to stick with it. And I've realized that my life will never be the same as before that. But that's okay. It's okay. And it's okay not to be okay. Yes. And I think um, I'm definitely not. I don't think I'm completely healed or recovered. But you know that you're on the other side of it when someone else comes to you and you can walk the journey with them and help them. And I, the same thing happened in child loss, you know, like when somebody else goes through this and you're like, I need to, I need to reach out and help them. Yeah. Nobody wants to go through that. But when you can walk with someone else and be their sister and yes, and it's such a God given like blessing at that point too. Yeah. So then after I went through the anxiety and I started to stabilize, I, we worked from home for the better part of three years, I think. And I started to realize that I wasn't super comfortable in my career, that I had just stuck with it because it was familiar. And, you know, 27 years in, you you have a routine and it's comfortable and it's easy. And with anxiety, it's really easy, you know, <laughs> to make excuses of why you can't choose. Yep. But I felt like kind of being nudged and through therapy too, to, to step out and at least see what was out there. And to pray, definitely have to pray and trust God. And so I made a resume and I put my app out there and I, I ignored several recruiters and such, but eventually something opened at a core in the Twin Cities on a core level and it was a business administrator. So it was using a lot of things I had, but not 
the program side of things because mm-hmm. in DHQ you're more behind the scenes and the core is the front lines. Right. And so the things moved really quick and I was able to step into this core position mm-hmm. and I just had never felt so fulfilled and so blessed. And after that, I kind of came out of it and I went, wow, who was doing that? How did you get there? And I was right. like, well, God obviously walked me through this and yeah, it's, incredible even now like I'm coming up almost on a year and everything was worth it every piece of it yeah that's amazing yeah I love how God does that he surprises us when we least expect it he calls us out of one thing into another and it's like oh this is why I was doing this or this is what you made me for this is you know at this time in my life it's clear. Not that everything else before didn't have purpose. It did. It had, it had purpose for that time, but now God's like, here you go. Here's the next part. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. And right after I started that new job within day, I think it was that day or that week uh, on the new job, I received a call that my family member had agreed to go to treatment and therapy after so many years of dealing with mental health and addiction yeah. and it could be coincidence but in my mind it's God 100 yeah. and he was faithful in his timing not that God wanted them to continue to suffer but yeah. there was purpose there was a reason <laughs> and it's it's so great to see it all come full circle and to see God in the center of it and oh yeah yeah, and it's it's important for us to know that our actions and our words matter to others. Anytime that you can be a positive influence or a positive example to someone close to you, especially someone in crisis, that's so important. And so I'm so glad that God was able to use you in that. That's great. Yes, and it's also a great reminder that no matter how long we've been in a certain situation or in a certain job or at a core for so long that even up until our last breath, God can change the course of our plan for, you know, what he has planned for our life, our calling or whatever, that it's never too late. And that, yeah, I might've been where God wanted me for 27 years, but now God wanted me over here and he wanted to show me frontline ministry, whether I thought I was equipped or not. Right. Once I was faithful, he equipped me. Yeah. And there was anxious days, but I'm sure... God had anxious days too, or Jesus as well. So <laughs> right, Jesus did. Oh yeah, for sure. We know that in Garden of Gethsemane, right, leading Absolutely. up to his death on the cross. So when you say frontline ministry, I love that that image of boots on the ground. That's what you know the core is out there doing, meeting people in need where they are. And so you have that opportunity to do that. Yes. Absolutely. And it's not in my, it's not one of those things that's part of my job description. It's part of being a Christian and being in the core environment. Yeah. We've had several people come in that were in crisis and other people like, whoa, they're, they're crazy. They're talking to themselves. And so I'm like, well, they need something. Let me, let me go over there. Are you anxious today? Are you, how can I help you? And they don't always need Jesus right in their face. They need somebody to be there they need the ministry of presence yes and they need to know that they're okay exactly the way they are right at that time you know yeah we want them to get help and we want them to do better but they need to know that they're loved and accepted and And just walking in and out of a core building let alone not spending eight hours a day there you have so many opportunities for 
ministry of presence, ministry to the people. And like we have street people and people that are just on their last dollar or last bag of food or whatever. And any little thing you do could be the world to them. And that's, it's a great responsibility, but it's a great fulfillment as well. Yeah, that's, I feel like there are opportunities all around us. You never know how Jesus is going to use it. Yeah. So having those oppor- those daily opportunities, you can look back on the things that you have been through and immediately you have that empathy and you have that understanding of where someone might be coming from. You know, like they might not even share with you exactly what's going on in their lives. They may they might be carrying things other than just, you know, that that one burden that they're they don't have food for the day. Um yeah. And when we're talking about how God allows us to walk through some painful things in our lives and how he uses those experiences so that we can relate to others, I want to go back to something that you talked about earlier when you mentioned about losing a child. Yeah. I too can relate to that because I have lost children to miscarriage. And while our experiences are different, I still can relate to that pain. And so I'd just like you to to share with us a little bit about um, how you got through that time. Like, what was that experience like for you? Um, it happened really fast. I, um, like, it happened all in a few days, and I kind of just knew right away, like, this is going wrong, and you have no choice but to go through it. And it was hard, and I grieved like crazy, but I had a dream days after this. I was in a boat. Like Jesus just said, get out, walk, walk with me, keep walking. And ever since then, I just clung to that, like that this is the worst, but God has a plan and he's going to get me through and I'm going to get through. And yeah, I just, I joined like support groups and such, but um, Yeah. yeah, I got through it and I had another, my son 13 months to the day later, so. It was a huge faith turning point, though, learning to trust God so deeply. <laughs> yeah. Walking through something like that, you just, it's a grief that's so deep that you just can't um, put words to it. Uh, but yeah, I love that image of of getting out of the boat. Just get out of the boat and walk. Yeah, like yeah. one step at a time, one just yeah. walk. Yeah. I think that a lot of the experiences I had, and I had some issues growing up or whatever too, nothing major, but I think I had been through a lot of small traumas through my life. And that when that severe anxiety, the clinical anxiety hit, I was in a safe place. I was in the most secure relationship I had ever been in. I was the strongest with God that I had ever been. And even though my, my mom doesn't understand mental health as much, she just kept going, well, I, you're happy. I don't understand. And it took me a while. And I, I realized that it was because I was in a safe place that those things finally surfaced and needed yeah. to be dealt with. And that's it. if you don't deal with them, you're gonna, it will destroy you. Yeah. And two, I feel like when we feel the most secure, I feel like the enemy knows that. Yeah, well. that too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but thankfully, our Savior is stronger. Our God is bigger than all of that. And he never leaves us, even in those times, even even through all of that. So um, having gone through all of this, is there any particular scripture verse that came to you that you stood on 
Did it change? Did you have new scripture? Like, tell us about um, some of the things that the Lord was able to show you through his word. Well, first of all, like what the Lord really showed me that you have to be really careful how you look at other people. That oh, yeah. that guy on the corner with the sign, he's somebody's son or daughter or whatever. And through scripture and through experience, I've learned that those people are all somebody and God loves them and we need to love them. Yes. And um, as far as scripture, like I always liked Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. It's funny now because that was that's obviously a key verse. But when I came into my struggle with mental health, I started to lean more um, Exodus 14, 14. You only need to remain still. The Lord will fight for you. Yes, yes. And I kept seeing it everywhere and, and behind different things. And I'm like, this, this, I need to cling to this because this is huge. This is key. And I think I became hyper aware of scripture, like, I read in, I started maybe read into things a little too much or whatever, but mm. I think God sometimes works that way too, that oh, yeah. if he can't get your attention one way, he's going to show you however it takes. And yep. like I said, I read a lot of self-help books and just mm -hmm. scripture-based self-help books and like Lisa Turkhurst, Joyce Meyer. Mm -hmm. And I really like Joyce Meyer, but I'm, I feel that she does not really understand anxiety as a okay. mental health issue that it's just a lack of faith in her opinions. Yeah. And that's exactly what we're trying to get away from. We're trying to get away from that yes. stigma of, you know, well, if you just prayed more, your faith isn't strong enough. God wouldn't allow you to go through this if you, if you really had faith in him. That is damaging. Yeah. People who I would consider pillars of faith, you know, that I look up to have struggled with anxiety, with mental health, um, have gone through grieving periods, and it, it is not for the sake of having faith. No. And so we have to get out of that. We have to yes. redefine that and, and not, that's, a, that's shaming. And shame does not belong in the church. Yes. Jesus came to take away our shame. Yeah. And that's what we need to be preaching. We need to be coming alongside people and reminding them that when they walk through the doors of our church, they are entering a sacred and safe place where Jesus loves them and we love them. And shame does not belong there. Let the Holy Spirit do the convicting work. Yeah. Well, and we have to really be careful, too, how we're acting around non-believers and people of weak faith because they're looking to us and they're not going to want to live like us if we aren't accepting of them. Exactly. I think oh, I, I that. went through a phase like I still I have a corner in my room now that I have little scripture sayings, little signs and um Psalm 23 also became totally different to me. It it's used to be a funeral thing, you know, and mm -hmm. it still is. But when you're in the deeps of uh, anxiety attack and to just sit there and to, you know, yea, though I walk through this, I know that your rod and your staff comfort me. Yes. And there's so much comfort in that. And it helps. And to have it, if you can't, sometimes you're so upset, you can't focus. Mm -hmm. But if it's right there and you just have to look and read it, oh, it's God is amazing. <laughs> yep. He makes me lie down. Yes. Yeah. I can't even Restores say Restores my soul. Yep. And he's, he's my shepherd. 
Like there's so much beautiful truth in that psalm. We take it for granted because we know it so well and we've heard it a million times. But there, if we really stop and think about it, those words are so incredible. Yeah. I think we need to use that more um, in a day and not just at funerals. Yes, I agree. So what kind of advice would you give someone who may be facing the same things that you're going through? You know, a lot of times you can't, when you're dealing with, like you said, someone in crisis that walks through the door and needs help, that's really not the time to sit down with them and give them advice. However, someone's listening today to this conversation and they're, they're going through something and they're facing something and maybe they want to get, they need that courage to get on the other side of it. What kind of advice would you give that person? You need first to keep going. Don't give up. Please don't give up. Everybody's worth it. But you need, you need to find a sister or brother, find somebody, find anybody that can help you and be there with you and help you to keep going. And sometimes you need serious help. Sometimes you just need somebody to be there for, but find a sister. I have an amazing best friend that I've been best friends with since I was seven years old. And she's a wonderful Christian woman as well. And so many times when I've struggled, she just a simple text, hey, how's it going? What's going on? You all right? You know, just little things. But and if you have faith, you definitely need to cling to Jesus. Yeah. Pray. You pray, pray, pray. Yeah. But um, if you don't have faith, then you need to just find somebody to help you and don't give up. Keep going one day at yeah. a time, one step at a time, but keep going. And hopefully you'll find that you're worth it and you'll fight. Not to sit in the safety of your anxiety, but to get to just take that step out of the boat. Yeah. And sometimes just to reach your hand out to somebody and just if that's all you can do is reach your hand out, let somebody grab you. That's right. Because you right. can't, you can't do it alone. You can't, but you have to, you have to commit to making you better. Yep. Yes. And as far as mental health, like there's a lot of, we're seeing a lot of suicide lately. And I think we need to be careful how we deal with people that have experienced that. And we need to normalize that it's, okay to acknowledge when you're struggling and when you need help and we also need to be careful how we act around other people that are experiencing this and because that's again where people are watching how we act as a christian and you know we got to be careful (laughs) we really need to be sensitive to people that is a huge point what we say about that that's very very yeah, good I think point. When I was dealing with the family members' mental health, I, it had gotten to a point where I had, to, in order to protect my own self and my own mental health, I had to prepare myself that this could be our reality. Yeah. Sometimes the people do succumb to this, and but I think as we work to normalize and end the stigma, that it'll happen less and less, and people will be able to deal with these smaller hurdles before they become life-consuming. Right. Yeah. And learning to recognize the warning signs and when you're starting to feel like that. You know, a lot of people can keep it so close because they're afraid. They're afraid of how are my parents going to react if I say, how are my, how's my church going to react when I reveal this? Uh, But don't hold on to it. You're not alone. Right. And if you don't get the help you need the first time, it's okay to 
the second or third time. I yes. had to switch psychiatrist a few months into it because I didn't feel like I was getting heard. And that was okay. It was, yeah. somebody said, you own it. It's your life. You can it's, move to a different yes. doctor. <laughs> You're right. This is important stuff. This is your this life. Is, yes. And you matter. <laughs> and you matter. You matter enough to get the right kind of help. Yeah. Yeah. That's good advice. Really, really good. You're worth it. Everybody is worth it. They're here for a purpose. Yes. Kelly, this has been a great conversation. I appreciate you coming on and sharing your testimony. Um, there's lots of, I know you've been through, a, you know, a lot of life, but we appreciate you just giving us a little snapshot into where you've been on your mental health journey. And we just thank you for your time today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to share. So if it helps one person, then we served our purpose. <laughs> That's right. Thank you. Oh man, just some really good conversation. There are some really good truths that were shared today. We have to create the safe space. We have to be available and be willing to listen. And we also have to make ourselves vulnerable to admit when we need help as well. So again, if you are struggling or if you have a loved one or someone that you know who is struggling with anything mental health related, even if you're not the one in crisis, you can still call 988 and reach the National Crisis and Suicide Hotline and they can give you advice, they can help you, they can steer you in the right direction. And there's lots of resources on the National Alliance for Mental Illness website, NAMI.org. Friends, thanks so much for coming along in this journey with us, but that's all for today. And as always, I hope that this podcast has left you feeling prepared and equipped for tomorrow, and I'll see you real soon. God bless y'all.